No, no, but it's like, it's like, hi guys, hey TM. I'm still gonna do an energetic intro. Yen does the thing. He introduced us. Okay. The process is being. Stop, you're time. messing up the process. <laughs> <clears throat> Welcome to the AI Business Podcast. This is Tian, the video producer of Informa Tech. On this episode, we discuss the latest on chip wars. Is Intel in trouble? Is this the beginning of the fall? Or is there some saving grace? And Elon Musk predicts AI will surpass human in five years and will make things like, quote, weird. What does that mean? Should we even trust Elon Musk at this point? And an update on GPT-3, the supercomputer that learns how you speak and can predict your sentences and finish it for you. Will it ever replace a writer or a podcaster? Can it finish sentence me, camera, 19, Rambo, man, for me, my sentence, question mark. All of that coming up. Joining me as always, the man who's smoking too many cigarettes, Max Molax. He's our global editor. Hello. And also the man who doesn't smoke and has washed his hands for the 17 times. He's the deputy editor of DCD, Sebastian Moss. Hey, everybody. How are you guys doing? I'm still washing, still stay, staying safe, not smoking, keeping my lungs clean while watching Max slowly disintegrate. Max, you can do whatever you want with your face. I don't care. <laughs> but smoke a little less so we can, uh, we can hear you better. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm suffering from my art. We start with the story of Intel. Uh, the Intel shares dropped 18%. Uh, why did that happen, Sebastian? Uh, they messed up again. So, so you know, we're all having a weird time and a bad time. They're having a worse time. Um, so, so the thing you need to know is nanometers, the distance between transistors, right? The smaller it is, theoretically, the better chip can be. Obviously, there's other things that play into it. But, like, realistically, the smaller, the better. And everyone else is on 7 nanometers they were on 10 nanometers. They were really slow at getting 10 nanometers out, Intel workers. They make their own chips, and they kept being late, kept being late. They said, don't worry, guys. We're, this is just one generation we've messed up. We'll get back on track with 7 nanometers, back into Moore's Law. We're going to be good. Then they come out in their earnings call, and they say, yeah, we messed up. It's it's delayed by six months, but it's probably delayed by year. No one really trusts them. So we're going to get chips in like 2022, 2023, when TSMC, which makes everyone else's chips, is doing 7 nanometer right now. Yes, and uh, so in, in Intel, Intel is making adjustments to its kind of roadmap. But one thing it's focusing on still at the moment is um, is GPUs, because Intel promised GPUs for the enterprise, ostensibly to do AI. You know, like we'll do love AI, and the GPUs are still coming. But Intel is doing something to to get these GPUs out of the gate, or might do. Like it's 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 at the moment, it's all kind of you know like reports and rumors. Is it might partner with. Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company to get those chips out of the gate. And uh, yeah, TSMC makes chips for its, all of its competitors, including AMD, NVIDIA, uh, and, you know, like people like Cerebras. Basically, they work with everyone else. And now they might very well start working with Intel because Intel can't get its shit together. Right, because historically, Intel have always been, we do it ourselves, we build it in-house, that gives us economies of scale, that gives us like vertical control, allows our chips to be better and everyone else says no no it's super expensive to manufacture chips and own those products and be focused on that type of innovation instead of just innovating on the actual chip so everyone else doesn't can't doesn't make their own chips no one makes their own chips just pretty much intel samsung obviously um and it's kind of backfired but but the the really interesting thing is why they really want to get those gpus out on time 
And that's because next year they are meant to be de- delivering chips for the Aurora supercomputer. Now, Aurora itself is also delayed and, and was actually meant to come out years ago with the Xeon Phi chips that, that Intel canceled. So the US government was like, okay, fine, you've canceled these chips. How about we actually throw you a solid here and allow you to use newer chips and make this the world's first exascale machine? So this was like a huge win for them that they won through failing. But now they're failing again. So it's, it's quite possible that they will end up going to TSMC, but it's not going to be an easy process. You can't just like rock up and say, I want this. It's going to be a massively time-consuming, difficult process, especially because they want to do some of the manufacturing in-house, some with another company. It's going to be a huge headache. So I and everyone else assumes this supercomputer is going to be delivered late. Meanwhile, it means there's another supercomputer that's 1.5 exaflops right around the corner that is filled with what, Max? With chips from AMD, and that includes both um, CPUs and GPUs, according to the story, which is interesting because it's just like everybody usually discounts AMD GPUs, but they have, you know, like server silicon. It's it's professional grade, I think, sort of like egg on the face for, for Intel. It's sad when a company messes up, obviously, like it's difficult for the individuals. You've got the head of engineering leaving now. Um, and it, it's sad from a U.S. government perspective. You know they've been really pushing this chip, building chips in house in America, and a big core part of that strategy was Intel, and that's messed up. But from the perspective of like being sick and tired of how like one company has controlled, say the server CPU market and had exorbitant prices that haven't always been justified and haven't always returned with innovation that you'd expect. It, it's nice to see some fire being lit under their ass. Part of the reason that Apple decided to make their own chip is essentially because the markup on the Intel chips are so high and it just, they realize we're better off developing our own chips and make them ourselves. And and we also reported last week that, you know, NVIDIA, their market value has, you know, evaluation has surpassed Intel. So like Intel has, it's fair to say he, he ha- they have like a pretty rocky couple, couple of years, but yeah. do you think this is, in you guys' view, do you think this is worse than any of those? Like, do you think this is the, this is the beginning of the fall, so to speak? It's it's a straw on the camel's back and it's a heavy one and it comes after like, so so this wouldn't be a big deal if they hadn't made all those 10 nanometer mistakes. And the, the big fact is when that happened, they kept giving different timelines and they mm. kept, you had really good reporters, Charlie Demerjan, a bunch of others who are constantly saying, this is what's happening. Intel would say, that's not what's happening. And then a few months later, they'd admit what's happening. So now when they say, oh, we're delayed by six months in release, 12 months in production, Nobody trusts them. Intel at some point made a conscious decision to stop engaging media on 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 sort of like on 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 neutral ground. So they they, they used to have this big show called the Intel Developers Forum, uh, where, which was essentially once a year, or I think maybe even twice. I think there was a European offspring, and just like it gave you a chance to talk to Intel's engineers, to quiz them thoroughly. You know, like people people to, went away with coverage for an entire year. They knew where Intel standed, and then I think like around 2016, uh, they cancelled it, and there hasn't been anything like that since. So, so like at the moment, all the communication you have with Intel is very one-sided. What's interesting is the last time I went to an Intel event, um, some point last year, all they would talk about is TAM, right? Total addressable market. <laughs> yeah. So so you'd always go, okay, uh, your product seems to be performing worse and more expensive than your competitor AMD. Like, how are you going to address the fact that like this is obviously a risk to your business? And they'll go, oh, sure, we might give up more of this market. But don't worry, the market is growing. So TAM is growing, therefore we will grow with it. 
the total addressable market and that yeah, for, for yeah. them that included like you know like edge devices those are like weird stuff that nobody like that that, that that doesn't even exist anymore you know like it's just like they had all the computing devices this, when their shares went down 18 percent, they also posted great quarter they will continue making money for a very long time but when that becomes the focus of what the sales spin is don't worry we're still making money it just tells you what they actually think about their own product do you think in some way they're denying the actual problem I think we need some honesty um, and, and, you know, this is as a person in the media, but like shareholders, investors, they need honesty as well, because if you can't trust them, when they say there's a six month delay and no one really thinks it's a six month delay, that impacts things that really you need mm. some, they're not Elon Musk. They can't get away with saying things uh, that aren't grounded in reality and then still somehow allow share prices to go up. But I mean, I mean, yeah, all, all, all of this we're gonna find out out pretty soon because, like, yeah, if, if with, with the new deadlines, I think uh, the GPUs are coming end of twenty twenty one, beginning of twenty twenty two. Yep, and the supercomputer is planned for mid twenty twenty one. Yeah, it'll, it'll mm. be interesting, but you know, Nvidia is not standing still. Nvidia doesn't have to worry about manufacturing; they just have to call up TSMC and go like, "Hey, it's us again. Can we book some space?" Uh, meanwhile, AMD is is so used to fighting for every inch that yeah, yeah, yeah. Now those guys, you know, like they understand the value of competition and performance, and 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 yeah. If you've been listening to our previous episodes, you know how much we like. Elon Musk. And it's just like there's air quotes all over the place. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this week, Elon Musk has kind of muscled in on our turf at AI business, you know, like saying, saying, saying stupid stuff like, you know, like AIs are going to outmatch humans in five years. So this, you know, like mythical point of like some people call it singularity, some people call it like the birth of, you know, like artificial general intelligence. I mean, uh, we... I think as a publication, mostly called it bollocks. Um, <laughs> he, pre- he, 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 he predicts that this point is going to arrive in 2025. So let's look at the quote itself that what w- Musk actually said. So he said, quote, we're headed toward a situation where AI is vastly smarter than human. And I think that time frame is less than five years from now. But that doesn't mean that everything will go to hell in five years. It just means that things will get unstable or weird. So what does that mean for things to get unstable or weird? Let's break down that quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what what does it mean when it goes to hell? Things are unstable and weird. You don't need an AI to bring that. Um, AI is not going to be all all around smarter than humans. So like right now, AI is smarter than human very uh, than humans in very specific areas. You know, chess, maths, whatever. Right. But the 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 concept of it being smarter than humans in every single regard, like Max was saying, five years, no. Elon Musk right. is is a Twitter troll. So he's a reactive person. Um, right. And so if, if someone asks him, a journalist goes, hey, tell me about AI, he's going to give a reactive, big headline-grabbing statement. I think he knows that too. He knows that people would, anything he, he said, people would, would think it's gold. You know, I, think he, I don't think he actually believes in it, but he just, he's so aware. I think he's smart that way. He's aware that he's a quote machine. So he just give it to you. And, and, and Max, break it down for us. Why did he actually you know, give us this call. In this case, it's Neuralink. Now, Neuralink is a bullshitty company created by, uh, I mean, 
I think it was yeah established by Musk, but it's basically it, yeah. it, it's working on a brain computer interface, and 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 it's just like okay, that's a very interesting and promising idea, but again, the time scales we're talking about here are like incredible. I mean, sure, you you will probably like we will have some medical applications, but you know, like the actual interface bit of the brain computer interface that's gonna take you know like years, perhaps decades to perfect. So. Elon Musk's uh, entire idea is that uh, human augmentation with chips like uh, those made by Neuralink will help you stay ahead of AI. One of the interesting things about Neuralink is that it does testing on on live animals and and monkeys, which, you know, there there is value in, in animal testing, unfortunately. But again, if he's someone that's tried to make a lot of money off kind of eco credentials, and if AI and supercomputing was at the stage that he claims it was, we would just simulate these testings and uh, this testing, and we wouldn't need to, you know, torture right. animals. So it's it, it's kind of like pick a lane. Um, you know, the, the company is let uh, the CEO of of that company, Jared Burkle, is the head of his family office, right? Like it, this is like his his body man, his, his guy that like protected him during that um, pedo guy case. Th- these aren't top minds, you know necessarily and even if they are this is just we're not at a state where this is even plausible for a long time at the moment the, the really the most advanced brain in, uh, machine interfaces are for things like epilepsy and, and other kind of uh, brain issues where it can try and counteract that and that's really great because those are, those are terrible things to suffer with at the point that he says we're like we'll be able to listen to music in our brain in a few years no no buy some good headphones no, no, and again, th- there is like uh, there are things like bone conducting audio, right? That is just like yeah, it's a different way of listening to music, and yeah, it's not quite you know like it's it's it, it, it's sort of like kind of booming bass right into your bones. Nobody's interested. Let Let's assume we're wrong here. Uh, the you know the other AI research is wrong. The brain machine interface research is wrong, and like they've they've got some secret up their sleeve, right? Would you actually want this in a few years? So, like, there's going to be a lot of people who will find, you know, like, Neuralink really unsettling because for a lot of people, that specific fact of of, of, of implanting, you know, like, chips into yourself is, is, is akin to sacrilege. If that is being pumped directly into your brain, like like he suggests, that sounds rather concerning. Um, we haven't been able to, you know, j- just as we're recording this, Garmin is down because they've been ransomware. Like, I don't want my head mm. to be ransomware. Like, w- where... That it is great that right now I could finish this podcast, go outside, and be just disconnected from everything. It's like an air gap, air gap security, right? There's right. just like yeah, I'm pretty happy of not having connections. My brain is air gapped, and then the question comes. Um, so, so like right now, my job requires a smartphone. Probably everyone listening to this, your job requires a smartphone. If you didn't have a smartphone, you'd be disadvantaged to competitors. Um, if this becomes a thing. It could become the point where even if you think it's a bad idea and you think this seems pretty dumb and pretty like damaging to myself, if the guy you're competing with a job for has this ability to like conjure up Wikipedia in his head at all the times, they're probably going to go for him over you. So you, it mm. could end up pressuring people into taking something at a faster rate than they should before safeguards could be put in place. I've been told by many of my friends who are bankers, they 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 thrive or they they are proud of the fact that how how quick of response they can give to their clients and to, to their companies, you know, uh, to their verticals. So I just think it's not a bad thing for people who work at a bank to go through that first and, and beat the, um, 
and be the rats, you know, to be tested, you know, <laughs> how how, that, how things work. So that might be the silver lining of it all. Yeah, yeah. High, high, yeah highly appropriate. I'd say, I, let's do it. Let's test it on the bankers. I think, should we, should we say a couple other things about Elon Musk? Because he has a rabid fan base and they will probably come after us. Um, boring company with the right. tunnels. Buses and trains are much better at doing mass transportation. So like his concept thrower. of... Flame, well, the flamethrower was just a marketing thing. At least he wasn't like pretending right. it was a real thing. Like he's actual boring company. Want to do tunnels that Teslas go down? So far, they how far they build? They build like what? Like a portion that's what they will take like a second to go through. They also bought Swiss and German tunnel machines, right? Like they, for some reason, they, uh, most reports of boring company make it seem like they've created these tunnel machines. They bought them. The Swiss know how to build giant tunnel machines because they have all these mountains, and that's what he's using. Yeah um spacex i think is a very solid tesla like i'm all for a green revolution i'm all for like energy efficiency and electric cars but equally it's fundamental to the way he operates as a business is always to promise something greater so then a year later when he hasn't delivered that thing and people start to get worried and his share price starts to dip he just promises something greater still you have to take what he does seriously but you don't have to take what he says seriously yeah so, I mean, I alluded to it, but Peter Thiel, his his friend, uh, did say this to a journalist previously that Elon Musk and Donald Trump are incredibly similar. You know, when they promise one thing, when you think they're going one direction and something doesn't go their way, they quickly come up with something else mm. that would just, everybody would run towards that thing and forget that the other thing is still happening. The media are completely incapable of covering that person with, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say integrity, but with like the kind of balance that it requires. It, yeah, it, I would say that like without going into a giant backstory, Tesla is one of the companies on my list that like few companies that actively tried to get me fired for a completely benign story. And and the the fact that they their executives and their their corporate communications people thought that was like a normal process speaks to a top down edict of like hostility uh, and uh, towards truth and towards like just publishing information about their company. Um, they they've been very used to glowing reviews in the early days because people were looking for positive stories during the climate crisis. Right. So do you think we created, the media created, created Elon Musk? We created that monster? It, it's got it's got a huge amount of responsibility. What was the story that we, 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 where Tesla went after you? What was it? Well, <laughs> oh, it's a boring story. That's why I don't even bring it up for this podcast. Um, it was about when they tried to bring UPS batteries into the data center market. And they did a... Oh. Yeah. So they did a presentation uh, I was there as a journalist wearing a lanyard that said press with a giant camera. And I went up to the people and said, hi, I'm a journalist. Can I ask a few more questions? Got a few questions from them, then wrote about it. Uh, and then they didn't want me to have written about it in later, later. So the people there had no problem, but later they're like, oh, we didn't want you to write about that. So I said, well, too late. I've written about it. It was perfectly, it was public information. It was at a public event. Uh, so then they went out to the company I was working with who runs that ran that conference and said, if you don't get rid of this person on this article, we'll never do a conference with you again. Wow. Uh, and luckily, Tesla is not big in the data center space. They could happily go, yeah, we prefer this journalist to you. <laughs> and so I stayed. The article's still up there. Max, should we link the, the article in the, in the in the show notes? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think we must. 
Re- resist, brothers and sisters. <laughs> uh, and we will continue working about Elon Musk's projects, unfortunately, uh, because the next item on the agenda is GPT-3, OpenAI's uh, wonderful word generator, well, text generator, or, or like whatever, website generator. It generates all sorts of stuff now. Um, so um, GPT-3, created by OpenAI, which Elon Musk helped, helped co-found, but has since uh, been, well, essentially removed. Organization itself is very, very interesting. Started out as a non-profit. I think we covered this in one of the previous podcasts, but essentially then yeah. uh, founded a for-profit division, uh, sort of like <laughs> governed by very strict rules of making only like a hundred or well, a thousand percent return on investment. So, you know, like it's not really commercial. Who would think that? Why would you, why would you say such a thing? GPT-2 was branded too dangerous to release on the internet because, uh, you know, like it was too damn good at its job, uh, generating bits of text from a prompt. GPT-3 is much, much better and is available online. You can play with it. You can, you can, I mean, it's just like there's, there's demonstrations going all over the place. People are building very interesting, strange projects like this one where you just um, describe in words what kind of website you would like to have and it goes ahead and writes the code. So it's just like, yeah, just mm-hmm. punch it into an, into an HTML and, and, and you've got a web page. And um, just generally, you know, like poetry, scripts, song lyrics. Chatbots, good for companies, maybe good for, you know, customer service if, if, if they're all right. Wait, but this is a chatbot that just generates crap, right? It's just like it's sort of like it it, 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 just like it just repeats words and combinations that it's learned on the internet. So there's no, there's no specific meaning behind it. It just like it's just a very good emulation of human. Its value, I mean, you can use it with in combination with other things. So you could have it where it's kind of creating statements, and then another system is kind of looking over to it to see if it makes sense in reply to some chatbot conversation. They're going to be hybrid. Nobody needs you to generate random, right? Mm. What people need is, for example, for you for for a, for for a machine to generate a press release out of some data points, right? It's like one of those videos with like just like stock photos and like text, right? It's mm. not really news stories, but all the news outlets at one at some point are using it. Some are still using it. Um, CNN, I'm looking at you. They, they would just <laughs> still have these stories, which is clearly machine generated but it's not going to be the real thing it's just something that you no matter how good you make them it's not going to replace the actual article how about i read you guys something and you tell me what it is okay he is quiet he is paul the man i chant about and he is quiet because his pants are very long his pants are long and his vest is short he sings at morning and at night is this not comical and unfortunate i fantasize that paul is both happy and unhappy and i think that he sings because his pants are long and his vest indubitably is short. That's beautiful. That's E. Cummings like. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like real poetry rather than. The policeman's beard is half constructed. I have a copy of this book in front of me. It's a 1984 book created by the uh, uh, Racta AI. So really early AI. Whole thing is just like wow. kind of random, just like a really early form of the of, of what OpenAI has of like random word generation of poetry. They fed it a bunch of poetry. Should we do Max versus uh... Rakta? <laughs> I I took a couple of attempts at writing poetry at school. Actually, like, it was terrible. It's not my. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The only thing they did was um was editing like spelling, and like a small mm. bit of the grammar of the like the where the commas are in the in the poem. But everything else is just like whimsical AI. I, I think this GPT three is is a much bigger thing. A lot of AI researchers are saying, "Wow, this is impressive." And it's it it's useful from a research perspective, but but like Max was saying, there is very little commercial application yet. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently one of the use cases is, is basically it, it, it can generate training data for algorithms. That's the thing. If you if you need to train the language AI on some text and you don't have the, the text, you can ask GPT-3 to make you some text. But, but then you're right. using the AI to, to create the AI. And so if there are issues with the original AI, then it's just going to bake into the second AI. According to our own Rachel England reporting on AI business that um, the computer scientist Kevin Lacker was tr- asking questions to GPT-3 and um, just basic questions for human being, but the, the computer has struggled to answer. Um, such question includes, how many eyes does my foot have? How many rainbows does it take to jump from Hawaii and 17? Like things that would just, people would just like, what are you talking about? The computer will give you even more confusing answers. So this is not some kind of futuristic, you know, like, oh, it's coming after my job kind of thing. This is very much a work in progress just to show you. I, I guess we haven't gotten that far since the 1980s. Yeah, yeah, it's not, and it's not. Yeah, it, it wasn't designed to pass the Turing test because that's 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 the idea of a Turing test, right? To just like, yeah, you, right. you you chat to this machine and it sounds like a human for all intents and purposes. But yeah, 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 right. To do that, they will need to learn to handle random. Because where do you draw the line? It's just like, is that the really weird weird thing that 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 people actually say, or is that you know complete nonsense? Well, I mean, the other thing it's potentially used for as a predictive text tool is is what you already get in like google docs and, and word and so on is when you're typing a sentence and it kind of grays out the rest of the sentence uh and you can just kind of skip forward and it'll write the rest of the sentence for you for me it's, it's been useful because it will pick up when i'm writing the same type of style too often and i'm like oh i won't do that because i don't want to be you know a hacky journalist i think it's helpful when when it's giving you very short suggestion on, on google where like somebody send you something great thank you mm. um but sometimes when i type a word and the whole sentence comes i was like do i sound that bad do i sound that boring <laughs> like no, so the the really interesting thing about google smart reply is that it is headed by ray Kurzweil, that team and this is, he is the guy who created like the singularities near the concept of like computers are going to take over everything by 2030. And again, super smart guy, but this is what he's been reduced to now is smart reply functions in Google. This really shows you that chasm between what, what certain people are saying is going to happen in AI and what is actually happening. Right. He's actually just a thanks for your email kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, reality can be brutal, but uh, there's there's one application of of GPT three that you might not have thought about that I thought I thought sounded really good. So um, Jack Clark used to be uh, a journalist based in London, working for the uh, Mighty Register, uh, then moved to Silicon Valley, started working at OpenAI, and has been making lots of progress. He seems some kind of you know like big executive over there. So he obviously had access to GPT three before everyone else, and um, he writes short stories for himself as a writing exercise, and he's mm-hmm. been generating prompts. So he he drops a random bit of text and they're like say for, 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 for from a classic sci-fi right um gpt3 continues the idea for a couple of paragraphs he looks at that and he's just like okay not a bad idea bam 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 here's a short story rather what if after you've read a bunch of books an ai could write the perfect book for you and the perfect story each day you get a new story based on your mood for you that would be great or but again nowhere near that well listen every time somebody say i figure out a, a, a formula you know for blockbuster you you just need to look the other way because that that's just a role you don't want to go down to. But then there's every once in a while, there's just always a guy who's writing a book or he's just like, here's the formula. You add this, you add that, and you got the, the and like, no, that's just not, it doesn't move people. It's gonna, it's not gonna make a parasite. Yeah, and this is why, like, parasite was such a such a such a breath of fresh air because it, it it shouldn't have succeeded like at any stage. And it's just like it's a wonderful film. <laughs> 
So thank you for listening. So my name is Tian. You can find me online at Tian Shifu, whatever it's on Instagram or Twitter. I don't use Twitter at all. Actually, just leave me alone. Don't don't find me. <laughs> you can send me death threats for being mean to Elon Musk at Seb Moss on Twitter. Um, and you can find my email if you really look for it, but I'll make you take the extra step. Uh, I'm on Twitter, so not very actively on Instagram. It's Max Smolax, and uh, every single day on aibusiness.com.